Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Mostly ladies, because, I, I mean, let's be honest. Gentlemen don't care about us. We're sex symbols, and you're intimidated. Uh, this is Nick Nunziata, and alongside me is Steve Murphy. Justin will be calling in a short while, I would guess. And we are doing what I consider uh, a bold and brilliant uh, experimental live show here with actual real people that have contributed to the film business rather than guys like us who just crack bad jokes. So it is my pleasure to uh, welcome aboard Brian Koppelman, Dave Levine, calling in from New York. Gentlemen, how are you doing today? We are doing great. Thanks for having us, guys. Nick Nunziata, how are you, brother? I am great. I am great, and uh, I'm uh, really excited uh, to get you guys on here, especially since I, I know that uh, your new movie has opened up in some parts of the country, but here in Atlanta, uh, we're going to be receiving it on Friday. Solitary oh, that's great. Man. Yes, and, uh, I, I just stepped on you saying the title, so you can say it again. Solitary I'll, I'll, I will say it eight or nine times. Uh, and it's funny because, like, you guys are many things to me, and you're many things to the world, but... Uh, you guys are like hardcore, serious, critical darlings, uh, and I don't know. It's just such a weird suit to put on you guys. Like, just this week, suddenly <laughs> this week we became that. Yeah, you know, you have the right now to fucking hate uh, our movie and us because you're like the old time fan. You, you were there. You're like I am about REM. They're my favorite band of all time. But you know, around the the fourth album, Life's Rich Pat, when they became, start, you know. It, for yeah. a minute there, it was very annoying that anyone else cared. You, yeah, well, that's a great album, though. That's a great album. Well, that's what rescued it. That is such a great album, man. Begin to begin. I mean, yeah, it's an awesome album, but it was a real departure in a way for them. Yeah, yeah um, uh, it's like it's like the guy who's like, God, I love James Cameron after Piranha 2, but he just completely <laughs> sold out. <laughs> yes, it's so, true. No, it, it's great, though. So, so, so just to inform those out there who haven't been paying attention... Uh, the boys who have uh, who, who are known on, on the in the world of Chud for rounders and knock around guys and for the Neil Berger movies Illusionist Interview with the Assassin and then of course for Ocean's Thirteen and and uh, and and a few others. I mean, you you just put out a movie where you you guys directed. I know that Brian is the writer uh, credited on there, and it's it's a tour de force for Michael Douglas, and it's a movie that doesn't feature any poop jokes or any you know any. Uh, there's no like back alley fights, there's no smart-ass, well, there's some smart-ass dialogue, but there's, it's a completely, uh, like, it's a grown-up movie. It's well, there's, a, there's movie. sort of a back alley beatdown. It's not much of a fight. It's a little one-sided, but. Yeah, yeah, oh, well. But you should, yeah, but the thing is, it's like, you know, you, you go on and you read the reviews of it, and, and of course, Douglas just owns. He just absolutely owns. Um, but, you know, if, if you look at that synopsis, you know, just cold. I, I, you wouldn't. It's just such a di- such a different different vibe uh, from you guys. And I, you know, before we start getting you know folks to ask the really interesting questions, I kind of want to get just a, just a peek into the genesis of this whole deal. You know, it's funny. I mean, I, I, and it is true, Nick. I mean, you have been such a supporter of our work from the time of Rounders, um, and you recognized that movie before really almost anybody else did you know um what do you think it took like three or four years before that movie started really penetrating 
um, the yeah. culture. And I remember we spoke to you about a year after, right, is when we met. We were um, doing a junket for Knockaround Guys, and, and you were so, like, loud and proud about that movie, and it really meant a lot to us then because there weren't many people like you, uh, you know, out there then. Um, and so you certainly... Which is why the world continues to turn. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, absolutely... Um, uh, are you know from your perch like it's fair for you to make that statement you know our work so well I mean to us we didn't even think of it as a different thing that consciously because the Ben Kalman the character in a weird way he talks like an extension of our characters and he is a guy who in certain ways despite being really capable can't get out of his own way to a certain extent and he is trying to like get over on people and so there's some element of the con man in him even though he's not a con man in the traditional movie sense of of the con man right um so i i understand why why you think it's a departure but i i'm not sure that i i think it is as much well i think part of it too is is like obviously you know if you if you look at worm uh who i guess you could say in some respects has a parallel to maybe a younger version of ben um there's a sexiness to it, and there's like, you know, there's always that that feeling that he's going to find a way to beat the game. And the, the cool thing about visiting that kind of a character at this stage in his life, I mean, the game is won. And, and, and it's interesting to see, especially somebody like Douglas, who is always playing the guy who's on top of top of the world. It's, it's just nice to see that approach where, you, you know, the warts and all and, and the reality that, you know, eventually, you know, time is going to win and that, you know... Well, that's one of the reasons that. why it had to be Douglas for this role because in so many ways he, you know, if you're from the New York area like we are, you see tons of these guys swaggering around on Long Island and Manhattan and they're basically, they're either quoting Gecko or they think they're Douglas himself. You know, in so many ways he's played these iconic, successful business guys even the character in Fatal Attraction seems like a precursor to, to Ben Kalman. So, you know, it was just one of the many reasons why it was yeah. perfect to get him. For I mean, he's sort of like the avatar of American success, you know, the, the on-screen avatar of American success. And so the fact that he was willing to go to the, the place that this character goes to and to explore that was, you know, awesome to us and inspiring. We, yeah, when, what was his initial reaction to the material? I mean, was he, was he like, in full throttle? Like well, a he threw it across the room, and then there was a large cash delivery, and that seemed <laughs> to open his mind to it. You know, I mean, he immediately um, said yes. What happened was Steven Soderbergh, you know, our, the producers on this movie are Paul Schiff and Steven Soderbergh, and Soderbergh... I've heard of, I've heard of Schiff. Who's the Soderbergh? <laughs> but, you know, Schiff produced Rushmore and a bunch of other great movies, and... Um, he uh, and 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 but when Soderbergh read the script and agreed right away that Michael should do it, he called Michael and sent it to him. And then we got a call from Michael's office saying, "Can you guys meet him at the Beverly Hills Hotel um, two days from now for coffee?" And we were in New York, but we said yes, absolutely, <laughs> and um, flew out there and and met him. And but he shook our hands at the end of the 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 drinks or coffee or whatever, and and said, "All right, let's make the movie. I can start next." You know, he gave us a time period, and we ended up starting. You know, within three weeks of that, the date that he he suggested. And then you and then you managed to put like the most amazing supporting cast around the guy. I mean, just all up and down. You look at the group of people that you got for this; it's insane. 
Well, yeah. I mean, the New York actors were happy to get a chance to do material like this. They really responded to the script. Um, they wanted to work with Michael. Luckily, we'd been cajoling a bunch of them to work with us in the years before, so we were kind of primed. We were like, you can't say no again. Come on and do this thing. Yeah, this was, I mean, we got everybody, every first choice for this. I mean, you know, everyone in it is the pretty much the only person we went to. And um, I think a lot of it had to do with wanting to work with Michael, the fact that we were in New York, the fact that it was dealing with this sort of stuff. And, you know, we tried to give everybody good lines. So fun stuff to play. But yeah, they're great. They're... I mean, we're thrilled that, like, Olivia Thurlby, you know, agreed to come do this in an unbilled way because it's obviously a tiny part, but such a crucial part that she plays, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I mean, but, but even, even like, like a Richard Schiff, who's in there for pretty much one scene, yes. who people that know actors and, 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 and pay attention know that that guy is just class and just, you know, just completely... 100%, um, man. Or Ben Shankman, who's in this movie in three scenes, and, you know, you know right. from, from Pi, I mean, you probably know him from Pi, which for us is that an amazing yep. performance that he gives in that movie. But he's also a Broadway star and was in Angels in America and, and HBO. And, you know, all around, uh, the guy who plays Jenna Fisher's husband is named David Costable. And you'd know him from like, The Wire yeah. or Damages. But he was the best actor at my college. And he was like a really, at my college, he was like a really snobby 18-year-old Costable. Like he would hardly even talk to me when I would hang around the theater because I wasn't, you know, well, he's talking to you now. He is. I wasn't quite the uh, artist that he was. But uh, he's such a great actor, and we were so psyched to get him to come do the movie. He was just on Breaking Bad, and, he, and it, was a, it was a great little role. And, and uh, I, I had, I, when I saw, I saw the movie basically the same day as I watched his introduction to Breaking Bad, and, and it was just like, you know, is like, that was the only, he's one of those guys who is sneaky. Like he's, yep. you know, he's everywhere, but it really took that to kind of make the connection there. But the best, the very best, and and the fact that you got Nascarella in there, <laughs> and that he's named Nascarella, it's like that guy. <laughs> I don't know what he's like in real life, but I would just be afraid of him. I just well, obviously, just, I wrote it for him, right? I mean, so. <laughs> Kind of like that in real life, or he could he could be. I mean, that crossed. I, I would say this. I mean, I, I really wrote it trying to capture Arthur's voice in that situation. And I mean, I don't think he, did he change. Maybe he changed a word or two, but uh, you know, that's him. It, yeah, I, I he's a great him. guy to have on your side. And, uh, yeah, up and down, completely up and down. Obviously, it's it's, the, it's the, you know Douglas is what you know is what gets people in the door, but, but the, just, just the fact that you've got, like, and I, I mean, I love Danny DeVito more than I care to admit, and just seeing him in a role that doesn't, that's, that's, that's a, a real drama, you know, dramatic role that's not, you know, capitalizing on the Danny DeVito-ness of it all, and, and you know, like Mary Louise Parker, Sarandon, all those people, it's just insane. Um, I also wanted to mention that you've got Michael Penn. Yes, we did. And again, like, that's the kind of thing that happened with this movie the whole time. Um, you know, I mean, we couldn't think of a composer we'd want to work with more than Michael, and he watched the movie and sort of immediately said, yep, let's do it. And, he, and collaborating with him was exactly as, as great as you, as you might imagine it, it would be. I and mean, he, was, he was the best. You know, because in a movie like this, Nick, where you're shooting, we only had 26 days to shoot the thing. And, you know, everybody had, no one was getting paid a fortune, so everyone was there for the right reasons. From, you know, from the cinematographer Alvin Kushler, who you know from Lynn Ramsey's movies, um, all the way you know, to Michael Penn. Yeah, it's, yeah. I, I, I would, uh, it, but uh, as far as like coming from, 
from Knock Around, which, if, if I'm not mistaken, was that the thing, the last thing you directed before that? Yeah, right. I mean, well, like, we had directed, you know, the the, the pilots our TV series since. Right. Right. But yes, uh, this is the first feature we directed since Knock Around. So you know, in, in those years, I mean, the big difference between, you know, other than sort of like obviously the story we set out to tell, but the big difference in us is just having spent a bunch of years under Soderbergh's tutelage, you know? Yeah, that, that's that's the thing I really kind of, I mean, I I, I can't imagine what that must be like. Um, but it, you could see a little bit, um, I mean, just it, it's when the right people kind of hook up and stick together, there's it, there's that just, the, it's, we need that guaranteed quality with all the shit that we're being forced to watch these days. It's, you know, he's one of those very few folks out there that, okay, all things uh, being what they are, at least Soderbergh's got X coming out. There's like, there's so few of those people, and the fact that you guys got hooked up with that guy is just kismet. We, we feel the same way. I mean, you know, he, from the beginning, he's just such an, as an artist, he's so open and available, and really brought us in, and in collaborating with him on Oceans and then Girlfriend Experience, and just over those couple of years, talking to him about movies every day and about how he thinks about them and about how one can think about them, and just having him as a resource this whole time has been invaluable, and I think um, just it all kind of seeped in somehow. You know, I don't think our movie really looks or feels like a Soderbergh movie, but um, I think a lot of it somehow was absorbed. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. You mentioned Girlfriend Experience. Like, it's so weird how that movie has seeped into like the consciousness, at least on the internet, as far as the people that read my site and all that. Um, you know, whenever I mention, you know, one of you guys or both of you guys or anything, that's like one of the things that completely, like, it's almost instantly brought up. And you know, I, and I, and to me, it's always, you know, Rounders obviously is the gateway for me. But it's just so weird how that movie has kind of snuck through and kind of permeated the, like the consciousness, at least of like the uh, the film geeks. Well, I think we have to attribute that to Levine's acting, don't we, Nick? <laughs> it, it, yeah, you're a dick in that movie. Oh, thanks a lot. Yeah, you are. What a fucking dick you are in the film, Dave. <laughs> That's fantastic. So you're playing yourself, right? Is that is unfortunately, that yeah. <laughs> Except I don't traffic with uh, professional escorts. That was the acting part. Well, I find the amateurs more gratifying. <laughs> <laughs> well, where do you find them? Uh, well, I live in Alpharetta, Georgia. I mean, so it's either the cow or the girl. You know. So, um, I have a, um, I have a, the boys uh, on here as well. I wanted to see if Justin, uh, Justin, if you had a question for the gents before I before I start uh, bringing in callers. Of course, I have a question for the gents. What about rounders too? Any work on Rounders too? I saw it. I saw it announced on the the, the very amazing IMDb that well, maybe it's being worked on. Maybe it got mentioned in in some article because as as the years go by and we run into Damon or Norton, who we've always stayed in touch with, and even checking in with Malkovich and John Dahl, everybody wants to do another one, and we do also. Um, it's just a question of telling the right story. And we, we basically, you know, sort of have a way in, but we all want to protect the first one and, and do the right movie. We don't want to just try to jam out a sequel. But everybody is kind of on board. So we think it will happen at some point. Somebody mentioned it in an article, and then 
it got this little bit of yeah, life. I think on what happened was Matt mentioned it and you mentioned it, Dave, in some article for your book. At the same time, like mm. Matt said it in some interview and you said it in some interview. But we don't have a script, so it's I mean it's all nonsense until we have a script. Um, okay, well, let's go back to calling David. Sorry, what's that? I just got a little excited because you know maybe you know you get Edward Norton to come back, you could lock everybody out of the editing room. No, we lost, no, 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 no. We're the wrong guys to make that joke to. <laughs> Good. That's the that's the last joke that I'll make before I leave. So, do the whole Bronx Tale thing to you now. Now you can't leave. I mean, Norton's <laughs> our guy. We've made two movies with him, and he's the best. He's the fucking best. I, hey, I like him too. He's the Hulk. <laughs> Great. Here we he's go. The, he, Dude, I'm about to get on a plane and come down to Georgia. <laughs> I don't blame you. How's about? How's about um, here, and I don't want I don't want credit for this, but how's about this? Gretchen Mall doesn't need to be in it. <laughs> Listen, she's a sweetheart. That's our fault. That's on us. We wrote if there, you know, we wrote a half a lame girl part, and it's not her fault. She, young lady brought everything she could to a thinly written role. No, no, I think actually, she's a good, no, I think she's she's a good actress, actually. You guys give slow claps on these podcasts because I think Brian deserves one for that selfless immolation he just did. Slow <laughs> clap. My take is, is like, I, I, want, I wanted the film to end and then post credits. He's like, you know what? Fuck her. I'm going to go back and play cards. That was what I, that was like my wishful, you know, I, I, I just, I, I, I know too many people like that. I think that's what it is. I know too many people like that. And I just, you know, I was so in love with, you know, I'm so in love with the both of those lead characters. It's like I just wanted them to go on forever. So it's just me being a, a misogynist prick rather than... Well, he does, though. I mean, that is what he does. Bill Simmons calls her, the, uh, like, the, the best wet blanket girlfriend in movies or something. <laughs> yeah, well, she, yeah, she, I don't think she's she has anything, you know. She's she's done pretty well for herself, I think. She's surprised. Yeah, I love her in, in her small little role in Donnie Brasco. One, another movie that is just utterly rewatchable. Yep. I never turn on. That's definitely one that when it's on, um, I know that's where my next two hours are going. Yeah. And and, and for some reason, you know, it's like it's, it's, it's one of those things. It's like when we first met, we started talking about those little, those little kind of movies that keep us going and those little kind of off-the-beaten-path things. And there's so precious few of those out there. But, um, but uh, I watched it recently, and I was like, James Russo, one of the most underutilized guys. We were talking about him two days ago, Mikey Tandino. <laughs> He's, He's Mikey Tandino, man, from the first Beverly yep. Hills Cup. Well, uh, and, that, and you know what's funny about that is, is, is uh, Breaking Bad, once again, Jonathan Banks has become like one of the best characters on that show. Oh, that is, so, man, Jonathan Banks, that's what happened is two days ago we were talking about Wise Guy and Ken Wall and Jonathan Banks, and then we started talking about James Russo. That was the whole conversation. Well, I mean, okay, you got Nascarella. I mean, there's no reason why in the near future on a project... We almost worked with Banks. We almost had Banks in our TV show, Tilt. But we even showed showed a, a clip, like, it was when we were casting Mike Madsen's role, and... We even showed Jonathan Banks to the studio, like to the network, and said, you know, he could do this, but they were not having any. How do you watch Beverly Hills Cop and, and that performance and not basically just know that that guy is gold? <laughs> he is, man. Well, because. <laughs> so good. So good. Right? 
That, 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 we love that line, and then we love the Stephen Burkhoff line when he goes, that'll be a neat trick. Yeah. Now, I understand why people don't cast Stephen Burkhoff in a lot of roles, but fucking <laughs> Banks. No, no, no. He's, he's on the verge of a huge comeback, Burkhoff. You think so? I think he might be ready to come all the way back right now. Hey, he had a hell of an evil villain run, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> isn't he? Isn't that one-two like punch a, of that movie, the one-two punch Rambo, of that movie right? in Rambo is pretty unbeatable. It really is. And, and I almost had my forehead modified to match his for Halloween. That hey, what's the name of the guy? You'll know this. What's the name of the actor who was the other, you know, the blonde, weird, blue-eyed guy from the firm? Oh, Tobin Bell. That guy's great, too, man. Oh Yeah, and he's a superstar because of the Saw franchise. Oh, is he in all the Saw movies? He's the main bad guy. See, I'm not a, I'm not a uh, that's where my you. film geekdom is not extend to horror movies. That's why you continue to succeed. <laughs> you would have time to write books and shit if you, if, you, if you kept up with Tobin Bell's resume. Jesus Christ, that's my job. I'll take care of that shit. <laughs> well, I knew you'd know. I knew you'd yeah, know. Yeah, well, I mean, what, else, what else am I going to fucking do? I mean, I'm, of course I'm going to know what Tobin Bell's up to. Um, all right, I know that you guys got a little bit of time left, so let me, let me bring in a call. There's a guy, uh, we got a guy named Mike calling from Long Beach who wanted to ask a gentleman a question. Is that cool? Yeah, of course. Uh-huh. All right, hang tight. Here we go. Hello, sir. You are on the air. Hi. Uh, thanks a lot for taking my call. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm a big yeah, fan of you guys. And, uh, thanks. What's up? No, go ahead. Have at it. All right. Um, you guys uh, just kind of want to get your take on the climate of the movie industry right now with all the reboots and remakes, or as Nick likes to say, remakes, uh, going on and having pretty much earned you know, almost immunity with rounders the other stuff you've done, and also dabbling in, you know, walking tall. Uh, how's that impacting you right now as filmmakers? Is it tough to get something like this new Michael Douglas film made, or what? Well, how's that? Yeah, the answer. Here's the answer. I mean, look, films like a lot, a lot of guys who do what we do. You know, one of the ways that guys like us who have families and you know that we can make movies like The Girlfriend Experience and Solitary Man is we do work as script doctors a lot. We go in and work on big Hollywood movies, and we try our best to make them work and to make them the best that we can. Um, the film business has always been about properties, uh, you know, and about entertainment. I mean, Mamet always writes about the difference between an entertainment or an amusement and drama or tragedy. And, you know, uh, the movie business has always been about all those things. Uh, we basically concern ourselves with telling stories, and sometimes we're telling stories that are based on, you know, a big sort of Hollywood idea and sometimes a smaller one. But for us, when we get really excited about a story that we have to tell, um, we don't let sort of the prevailing wisdom or the, um, the, the realities of the game influence us. We knew Solitary Man would be hard to put together, so we, we knew we had to you know, shoot it in 26 days and get a, a movie star like Michael Douglas in it. We just kind of put our heads down and, and, and were determined to do it. Uh, you know, I don't know what's to be gained by guys like us doing heavy strategic thinking. We'd rather be thinking about funny lines and unique characters. Well, that's awesome. And it definitely shows in the work, because you guys are definitely one of the more talented duos out there. And uh, it, it shows through. Even It doesn't even matter what, what you guys are working on. That's, I'm really excited for this Michael Douglas film to come out. I can't wait to go see it. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks you. for the call. Man. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah appreciate wish you guys all the best. I, I do hope Rounders 2 happens, but I uh, hope that... We've got to make it happen in a way that it doesn't suck, though, man. That's the thing. I mean, people, the movie's so important to people that we just can't go fuck around. It has to be... We have to do it when we know we have it 
<clears throat> plumbed. And until then, we won't. And there's one more aspect to it that, that complicates it, which is Miramax holding the rights, and now that place sort of being on the block or going away more or less as a going concern. So that just that will have to be sorted out too. Though that yeah, yeah, yeah. that could be possible when when it's time. I've heard really good things about the Wall the Wall Street follow up, and I kind of wonder if that might be. I mean, a good. Uh, I mean, I haven't seen it, so I don't know. Of course, I don't. We heard I don't know anybody who's worked. Yeah, I don't know anybody who's worked with Douglas lately, but uh, um, but uh, I, yeah, Rounders is hallowed ground, and and and, uh, and 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 there's a part of me like in the '80s. I think I think they were making films with the idea that people are just content to see more of these people to see to see them do what they did and and, and, and it was fine it was fine it was doable but something like that which is which was which is a, which is a, was a, a you know it took a long time like you said to seep in and to reach people and now of course you know it's it's a cornerstone I mean absolutely a cornerstone and and uh, there you know I'm almost content to just watch those guys just talk. But I, could, I, I totally respect, and I'm so thrilled that you guys, I mean, are, 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 are have that mentality. And, and if you look at Damon, Damon doesn't do bullshit. He doesn't, he doesn't nope. make films just to make films. And Norton, same way. I mean, like those guys, there's too much integrity in the group. And 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 and. Uh, well, that, you know, you hit it. I mean, that's the thing. Like, we gotta, you know, imagine how it would go. I mean, we'd have to be able to call Matt and Edward and tell them that we had the thing. And there's just no way we could make that phone call if we didn't believe it, you know? And so, that, you know, we have to know that we have the script that we could send to Matt and Edward and that they would go, yep, this is the movie. And we just don't have it yet, so. Yeah, well. No. But yeah. maybe I'll come down and watch your cigar store poker game and then get inspired. <laughs> that, yeah, I think you wouldn't even have enough for a Saved by the Bell episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I know the time's winding down. I wanted to kind of just get a quick gauge, David, on, on the on the book writing. I, I mean, how did that come about, and how's that how's that working for you? I mean, well, the, um, book, the first book was fantastic. I haven't read the second one yet. Thanks, man. Yeah, City of the Sun. It introduced this character, Frank Bear. This this story and that character was just something that was in my head for a really long time, and um, for various reasons, I decided to to write it as a book instead of as a movie. Um, the second one came out uh, like last year. The, the paperback's coming out soon. It's called Where the Dead Lay. It's coming out next week. And I'm working on the third one in the series right now. Um, you know, the, the books are really well received, and we hope to make a movie version of City of the Sun before too long. That, that was my next question. So, I mean, is there, is there anything else that you guys have that's, uh, that, that, that's, that we're able to tell people that are coming or what's next or what's, what you guys got cooking? The only other thing I, I can tell you is there's this book called Beat the Reaper, written by a guy named Josh Bazell. Great book, yeah. Great book. And we wrote an adaptation of that that we hope Leonardo DiCaprio is going to star in. I mean, he's uh, said he will. It's just a matter of finding the right, you know, the right director. It's um, a movie that's set up at Regency. And, you know, we hope that that movie gets put together. We're not the producers that on be, it. That has got to be the fastest-paced script you guys have written in terms of, like, the content. Cause that it thing is. is yeah, it moves along pretty good. It's a, yeah, the thing blisters by. Um, hey, man, we got to jump. It's really great talking to you. It was a pleasure. Thanks for your time, guys. Good luck with the movie this weekend. Thank you, guys. Talk to you Take soon. Care. Bye. Bye-bye. Mr. Murphy? Well, I got to say, it's about time. I know. I was, I was trying to find a way to squeeze your gentleman in. It is, it is about time. You should have seized the day and said, fuck all this. I want to hear about Walking Tall. 
No, I want to hear about the follow-up to The Illusionist. That's what I want to hear. Well, you know what's funny? I think you and I are the only people that are really vocal fans of that movie. I can't tell you how much I love, I love that movie. Fuck the prestige. It's horrible. Well, there's definitely, actually the prestige is not horrible, but it's, I mean, like, if you're, if I'm forced to pick between those two movies, though the prestige is, is, is a more intricate, you know, puzzle of a movie and, and beautiful to look at and all that. I, I still there's something about the illusionist I really love too. It's got good performances certainly. Bowie, the greatest Tesla. Uh, yeah. Jackman was fine. Uh, Bale's all right. I, I thought Bale was really good. I, I was a little disappointed with Jackman. But as far as the illusionist goes, oh that I is. I mean, it's not even fair to compare them. I mean, they they're both about no, magician magic. You know, I, that's it. Yeah, it's completely different. I just love the the quietness and the calmness of the illusionist. But it's it's got a lot going on in there, and it's got that, top to bottom brilliant performances. What's that guy? Rupert, yeah, I mean, uh, what's, his, what's his name? What's yes, the, Rupert Sewell and... Uh, yeah, Rufus, right. And then... And Giamatti. Sewell was a weird choice, but Norton's on fire. She didn't have much Giamatti to do, so... Right. No, I, I love that film. I know that they didn't direct it or write it. They just produced it. But I love it. I really do. Well, they produced, they just, I think, all three of that guy's movies, Neil Berger. I mean, The Interview with the Assassin oh, really? is that one. I mean, that's a really good little movie. They did a movie called The Lucky Ones with, um, I think, Rachel McAdams and uh, the dude from Crash... Um, and I haven't seen it, but it looks like it could be fun, too. But, um... Right, what am I going to say to them? I never saw... I mean, I haven't seen Solitary Man, and I haven't seen Rounders since 98. Well, I mean, <laughs> Rounders is kind of absolutely... You know, well, but the great thing... About, those guys are just so just so good guys. They're just good guys to talk and hang out with and just bullshit. And, and, and I, loved, I love their answers. I mean, I love the fact that they... Uh, I mean, they, they do a really good job of, of balancing that kind of the commercial stuff with the... With the st- and the personal stuff, and 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 they're never going to make like a uh, pretentious art film, but Solitary Man was. I mean, that is definitely a movie. I, mean, I, I know that they, I mean, from they're so close to it, and that it's 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 a hundred percent their baby and all that. But as far as like what I expect from those guys in terms of, you know, they they they're just really entertaining writers, and they're really um, they're very influenced by the same type of stuff that you know that that kind of influenced me and all that. And I was like. Solitary Man is definitely a step in a, in a different direction for them. It was really cool to see that, you know, they still they're still able to make dumb jokes and be be themselves. I mean, they, yeah, they, they seem very normal. Gonna you know, change, it's going to change the the way people look at them. I think as filmmakers, because I'm glad to finally hear what they sound like. Because all you do is drop their names left and right, and now I have a voice. To put well, the great thing is, Steve, we actually <laughs> did an interview with them when we did the radio segments at the station. Oh, so way to remember. are you kidding? No. So oh, you, well. not, you've talked to them before, you fucking bonehead. Well, I have other things going on, you know, like... Uh, uh, How's that working? I watched The Illusionist the other day. <laughs> yeah. But, well, no, it's good. It's good, it's good that they're... Uh, those guys rock. They're great. And, 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 and yeah. yes, I... But the thing is, uh, I've been dropping their name for the right reasons before their names were droppable. I, I only kid, you know. The hell with it. How about yeah. Justin completely, completely that infuriate them? <laughs> that was great. That, that was hilarious. Was <laughs> I love it. Like the most, the, Justin's, Justin's like the most laid back and easy person in the world. And, and yeah. <laughs> Of course, they were giving him shit too. It wasn't like. Oh, I know. It was only fun, but still, it was hilarious. It's good to know so, Justin um, can still show up and throw some grenades. I, uh, I was supposed to see Jonah Hex last night, but I couldn't get there in time. But I've heard his absolute wanderlust. 
I heard it was dick shit, like really nuts. An hour and 20 minutes long. That's not good. No. I mean, it's good if it's, I mean, like, there are movies that work at an hour and 20 minutes. They're called children's movies. But, yeah. But what no, I did hear, I and, the, and the most important thing to come out of it is that her Brolin is very good in it. So it's not like, because that's the one thing that bothered me is because I think you could tell from a mile away that that movie's going to be a dud. But yeah. Brolin's above it. Like, he's better. You know, I don't want anything to, to, to slow him down. You know, I get the vibe. I get, I get the Van Helsing vibe from it, though. And that's not a good thing. I don't get that. I don't get that. Um, I don't know what I get. But Jonah Hex, I mean, why? I mean, why somebody would greenlit, greenlight that movie and expect anything less than a C or B or C movie? I don't. You know, it's Jonah Hex. Yeah, who the hell knows about Jonah Hex unless you're a comic book guy? Oh, even then, I mean, like there are. I mean, like there are so many characters that are that haven't been made that are more worthy of a feature than that dude. Although he's got a mushy face, with you know, so that's that's a bonus. But when when they're marketing the film around uh, what's her face, then you know something's wrong. Megan Fox. That's right. Excitement bag. Needs to have about needs to have about fifteen cheeseburgers, and then be dropped off the side of a mountain. That's what needs to. That's what needs to happen. Well, Holland style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what, so tell us. Uh, and, and we can now that you've actually seen a couple of movies, though. Yeah, I've actually seen uh, at least one film in the past. Three weeks. You've seen Iron Man and something, uh, A-Team. A-Team, yeah, the A-Team. I got dragged Which, up uh, the house. We, we, haven't talked, we haven't talked about A-Team on the show, and granted it's already out, but who gives a damn? I, I think we're both fans, right? we ever, Pardon? I think we're both fans. Am I wrong? I loved it. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not... I love it. It's a great fun, you know, it's a great fun. It's a great time. It's really... It's a good ride, you know, yeah. have a good... Have a couple of drinks watching it. Had a had a lot of drinks watching it actually. We went down to the uh, Buckhead back lot and we saw it down there. We could, we could eat some food. The ASD pork and screen, sir. Yeah, I hate the name. I'm never gonna call it that. We went down to Buckhead back lot. Had some dinner, some drinks, and watched the film all at the same time. Wonders of technology. You know the and last now. one I think. Yeah, true. I can't remember the last thing I saw there, but I do remember the time you and I saw Galaxy Quest there. Yeah. Remember that I remember, we saw, we like, I remember seeing Scream, too. I didn't see that one there. That was way before my time. I'm not proud we of God, We saw Gladiator there. Remember, we had like 50,000 people with us. Yep, yep. I, I don't think that was... I think that wasn't the first time we saw it, though. I don't think we saw it for the first no, time. No, 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 no. That was with the... Oh, Jesus. Was, was it DJ Evo? Was he with us? Maybe. That's how, that's how long it was. <laughs> Holy crap. Anyway, the A-Team, I loved it. You know, it's a lot of fun. It's so silly, but it's, you know, it's good. I liked it, enjoyed yeah, it. I mean, why, why would you hate that film? Why would you go out of your way to hate it? I'm not a bad nah, I mean, No, it's, it's, I mean, nobody's going nobody's gonna to go to film school because they saw that movie, but there's no, there's no shame in a good, entertaining movie that just, it is. you know, it, and it doesn't coast on lame psych acts and stuff like that like a nope. lot of those kind of films do. It's. It, it elevates itself over the source material. It, it, the show it's was kind of crap, spot, but it's good. Um, yeah. So now I guess I could tell the listeners, anybody that hasn't hung up since or you know shut us off after the superstars left the building, uh, our next guest, our next official guest on the show will probably come next week, and it is none other than I, Edgar, I, I Edgar Wright. 
Edgar Wright, oh, the is. director of Scott Pilgrim. I thought it was Edgar Wright's show. Sorry, Steve? I thought it was Edgar Wright's Burroughs. I thought that's who we were having on. No, it was Edgar I, Saffron Burroughs. I was mistaken. No, so we're going to uh, so just so you folks can prepare, I mean, we're going to go from uh, people that, that created a beloved film that almost everybody in the Chud world loves to the guy that is like probably like in the top one or two or three, you know, geek filmmakers in the in, in history in terms of like uh, the saturation in, in the in readership of sites like ours. I mean, so we're talking about you know this is going to be a fun one I think, uh, and I think what we're going to do with that with that show is really kind of open it up to the callers and, and let Edgar do his deal because he is he's very good he's, with people. He's a gentleman. He's, he's a gentleman. He's and, and the great thing about Scott Pilgrim, Scott Pilgrim is not a slam dunk. It's a, it's it's going to be a polar. It's polarizing now. Yeah, because trailer, you know, nobody nobody's yeah. seen it. But but um, like Shaun of the Dead is the only movie, like I've said before, is the only movie I can think of that's got a hundred percent approval rating amongst everybody I've ever asked about it. And and Hot Fuzz is, is similar. I mean, there's there, those are I mean that is like as far as a lot of yeah, I mean, any film that any film that features Tim Dalton in it is going to get my love. Well, Brandon Star, I love it. You're a love it. Yeah, there's not one film, not even the one he did with. Uh, oh Jesus! Uh, it was like '79, I think. Oh, the hell with it. Anyway, Blind in Winter, I love, I love that one. But the, but Scott Pilgrim, the great thing about that is, and the, the few people that I know that have seen it love it, but. Um, yeah. You know, I'm not. I'm not a fan of the of the graphic novel at all. I mean, I, I tried. I bought the first two, and I just did not. It was not for me. I'm tired but of Michael Cera. Uh, so I love tired him. And tired of him. I know you're tired of him, but yeah. You know, I mean, like it's the same. I mean, he's the same in everything. Which is probably good at that one character, but I, I thought I don't know. I like the guys when they get cast as a uh, as a bodybuilder or as uh, that would be you know good private eye. He's Michael Ferry. He's a skinny kid. He's still coming into himself as an adult. How old is he? He's like 43, though, isn't he? No, no I think he's in his mid-20s. I can't older. imagine he's much older than that. He doesn't look older. <laughs> he, he's just been around so fucking long. Like he, yeah. Been around since year one. Oh, God. Yeah, that was a, that's that's a long a joke. Fun. And actually, I'm kind of working on getting... I want to start getting some other amazing guests in. But, uh, I hope people. Though, will, I hope that people I've run out of people who will return my calls. That's true. I'm hoping Edgar, people will get Edgar right because he is, he can be extremely deadpan. So the callers may not uh, may not get him. They don't. They're idiots. Guillermo deadpan. Sure, he did, didn't he? Um, I I don't think anybody that would that would listen to our show is <laughs> is going to have problems with Edgar Wright's deadpan sense of humor. What if Justin be, pissed be, him off too, though? They'll welcome. They'll welcome somebody with a legitimate sense of humor. You know. <laughs> Justin should ask them about Rounders too, as well. Uh, Edgar Wright. Should ask him. I'm gonna ask him about don'ts. You better actually. That was. When is don'ts two coming out? Amazing. Yeah, that's Amazing. a show killer right there. Um. No, that'd be Miss. That'd be Miss Kasugi's lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah! So, uh, what did Love you think it. of Iron Man? What did you think of Iron Man Two? How did uh, you know, it be super bad? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It's not as good as the first one, but who cares? It's still it was a blast. It was. Are you tired of Robert Downey? No, I love him. I mean, I saw Sherlock Holmes recently. 
The film is not good, but he's great no. in it. Jude Law is great in it. I loved it. I loved the acting in it. Actually, Jude Law is surprised that. He was quite good. Yeah. Yeah, but I, uh, I'm not tired. I'm not tired of Downey, not at all. Downey's delightful. I mean, he's a, he's he's a special man. Yeah, he is. They don't need to do a third one. I don't give a damn about the Avengers. Oh, they, they do need to do a third. One. They need to do a million of them. I don't know. I don't believe so. You're watering okay. it down. I'm putting the call out. We need. I'm hoping to get a couple of callers in to chat us through. Because uh, I love the callers. Really? You're just tired of look, talking to me. No. Uh, see, the thing is, I'm just, I just, you know, get to the point where we start talking about the stuff we really want to talk oh, what, about. Hold on, hold on. Let, let me tell you this. I'm, I'm really glad you brought up Michael Penn, though. I couldn't believe that he was, uh, he did the music for them. I love him. He does. You know what's cool, though? I mean, he's amazing. He's amazing. And he's done scores he's great. before. But, he's uh, more than like two really or three, subtle, though. It's a really subtle, uh, really subtle score. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Well, I like that him. guy. That, you know, actually, it's, you know, and he's a good singer too. But I really, I, I wish he would put out orchestral albums or, or just instrumental albums. You know, because uh, yeah, he definitely does have a. Uh, he has a, a way of doing things that's really good. I mean, in the same way that John Bryan. I mean, like, I know that those guys travel in the same circles and all that. And, and, and whoever does the music for Amy Mann's records, there's like a very nice oh, form. Atypical kind of vibe to all of those. They all produce each other, I think. Is that is that a sex joke? Oh yeah, that's right. That's a good one too. Uh, I cannot believe you haven't rounders since 1998 or 99. Well, that's not true. It's been 99 since you showed it to me. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I I don't. I don't think it was out in 98. Well, whenever it was, you showed it to me in 99. And you haven't watched it since. I thought you liked it. I haven't watched it since. No, and I loved it. I just. I don't know. I haven't gone out and watched it. I Never remember we watched. I, well, I don't Rounders. really watch TV though. We watched Rounders and Ronin within like two or three weeks of each other. If I remember. Quite. And Lebowski, actually Lebowski as well. And I've seen that a trillion times since then. Probably less than a trillion. No, I was counting. I was counting. I lost count at point three trillion. You know what's funny is like Knockaround Guys is actually another uh, another movie that's a lot of fun. I mean, it's a, that's a lot of fun. It's like a little movie. And uh, I, I know it underperformed, and it kind of Fine. it kind of fell through the cracks in some respects. But it, that's one of one of those things like you'll catch like a little piece of, and and instantly be reminded about how much personality and interesting shit those guys bring. Really, I fun know. Stuff. Vin Diesel was good in it. He actually is very good in it. Yeah, I remember that was I was being surprised by being surprised. You know what I did want to ask them? They worked with uh, they had Dennis Hopper was in that movie. Was he? And uh, he's gone. He's out of here. And I don't think he'll I wanted, be. A... I want to. I wanted to ask about what it was like working with him, but then there's that risk that, that I'll get Justin. What if Dennis Hopper was a dick to them, and then all of a sudden they're to get on a plane to kick my ass? We'll know soon if Justin haunts the show. He haunts the next episode. I kind of like. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad. I'm glad that he. Uh, he got raped, just a little tiny bit. <laughs> but he was he was getting a little bit big for his britches. Yeah, he was. He had to be brought down to like back down to earth. I think I think it's safe to say this is the only podcast where both the host and the guest name drop obscure characters from Beverly Hills Cop. With quotes. With quotes. It's not every day you're gonna hear that. 
Should have had Axel, Axel Foley theme playing in the background. In the MIDI, in MIDI file format. I, uh, hey, uh, this is pretty interesting. I got, to, I got to see one of the Tucker automobiles today. Really? Yep. Yeah, I went to, because my wife took uh, me and her, and her father to the High Museum today. For, there's an art exhibit that's all these, like, cars from the old days. Did you get to, you get to drive them around? I did not. But it was interesting yeah, seeing. You, yeah, go ahead. It's interesting seeing the Tucker, the car, because I mean that's one of those little movies that actually I, I find myself. I've watched it probably ten times, and it's not a great yeah. movie, but there's something the about dream. it. The Dream. Didn't Lucas have Man in America? Man in his dream. It was Coppola, right? Oh, what, what were you saying? I said, did Lucas have anything to do with that? I think, yeah, I think he produced it, but it's obviously wow. a Jeff Bridges performance. But it was weird seeing that car. Like up close, and that's tangential as far as film discussion goes. But it, as an interesting anecdote, I did uh, need to see that. the first podcast released today that's going to talk about Tucker Man and his problems. <laughs> How do you know that? Well, because I, I skimmed the podcast world. I know what's going on out there. So there there are five people heart. talking about. There are five people talking about Lady Heart right now. Lady Heart. Lady Hawk. <laughs> Oddly enough, all of them located in England. How about that? Lady Heart. Is that like Lady when they find Heart of Blood? With Lady, <laughs> Hawk? Lady Hawk. What, what's your favorite Rucker Howard film? Mine is Wanted Dead or Blade Runner. Really? I don't know. Why do you have to combine, combine movies all the time? I love doing it. That time it was Lady a complete accident. Though. I overloaded on some Pepsi throwback. I got me words jumbled. Are you at home? Yeah, I'm sitting here, sitting here at the house, looking at my Let me, go ahead. the last what? Pepsi throwback. Oh, you're really just just having Pepsi's not mixed with booze? No, 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 no. I got to work in the morning. I can't have like the booze. Like that has never stopped you. That is true, but I got to get up at two thirty. That stops me. That's, that's that stops that, me. That's must up, sir. That is must. You know what else up. we need to talk about, which is has nothing to do at all with films. What about that trashy whore who tried to cut in on our pool game the other night? How about that? Ugh. That was annoying. Yeah, wasn't Why don't you good. tell the story, Steve? I think this, I think the podcast. This, really? this will be a story that goes into the Chud Podcast wiki that nobody's ever updated. That's true. And you know what else, though? This means, if I'm going to tell the story, this means that we definitely have no listeners or callers. Well, I mean, I think you've proven in the past you are one of our great storytellers. That is the truth. I'm going to bring up the Egyptians in this one. All right, then. Our story starts back in ancient Egypt, right after the, uh, the aliens landed, espoused all their knowledge okay. left. And then you and I ended up drinking all day, went and shot some pool the other night. This drunk-ass lady wanders on over, starts wobbling all over the place, picks up a cue, says, oh, we're just playing some pool, you know, I've got some quarters. So... She proceeds to uh, kick my ass at pool. And she ate my fries. What the hell? She ate your fries unsolicited. Completely I can't just felt it. like. And the thing that uh, bothered me the most. Well, well, first of all, it bothered me that she was old and drunk and very drunk yep. and, and, yep. and horning in at our special time. Oh, yeah. The thing that bothered me the most was that you made a comment and she made a reply where she made it seem like you were hitting on her a little bit. Oh, I don't like remember that. She kept that. bringing up that she's too old for us. What she failed to mention was she's too yog sagas for us. 
we wouldn't have thought of, 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 of flirting with her if if she was like the last ape on earth. Yet One of the she was ones. trying to like, and then and then of course you know I'm having a cigar, so she says I'm going to have I'm going to get cancer. And I was looking at her, and I was looking at the shape she was in, and it was really unfair for her to be pointing fingers my way. She's probably a big ground for it right now. I mean, I, can you imagine what her lipper must have looked like? I bet you it looked like Quato. <laughs> Fucking, yeah. So, yeah, we, were just, we, just, we went to this horrible Irish pub that's usually empty, went off into our little section for some some quiet. Yep, quality just time. Booze, and, and this woman follows us and just completely ruins the experience. And she beat me at pool. Well, I mean, it was. I think you, you scratched you on the eight ball. It's not like she beat you. I think you beat yourself. Which would have been a, vi- a better viable sexual partner, too. Oh, yeah. Absolutely more rewarding. And you know what's, what also was bad? Was she was wearing, like, I guess tennis. I guess she was a tennis bitch. So she had, like, one of those tight athletic tops on, like, a, like an Under Armour type pretty. of thing. Yeah, it gave her it gave her a nightmarish hexagonal breath pattern. Damn it! Damn it! I forgot good. about that. That's horrible. I'm sorry I brought it up. No, it's it's exciting. I mean, it's it's definitely cutting edge shit. Do we have any callers at all? Do we have no. no. It's good that I it's good that I bought a toll free line for us too because it's free. Yeah. Nobody. And no one's calling. Hmm. Well, the number, for those who haven't paid attention, is one eight seven seven five nine eight eight six five one. That's nine seven six evil. Yeah, I wish. I wonder if it's available. <laughs> I'm attached to right through to Steve Jeffries. Yeah, thanks for that. Brewster. <laughs> what what a performance that was. Well, thank you. It, isn't he currently getting fucked in the ass? <laughs> no, he's. I think he's retired. Or is that a rumor? No, it wasn't a rumor. He took dicks like it was going out of style. And it really? He he experienced sensations in the ass on a daily basis, sometimes three or four times a day. I guess. And I guess uh, that's what happens I, right at, when you get finished working with Roddy McDowell. Nothing left for you to do. Go to gay sex. I, well, the funny thing is, he continued working with Roddy McDowell, but it was just some guy's stage name because he had a big rod yeah I get it you know what's funny though is I think that to me that's that's, I wish all actors I I think it would humble them if they were all forced to work in that in that field for a stretch stretch is that a joke it can be Mm. like what he didn't use his real name which is you know obvious but I think Ashton Kutcher would benefit from about six or seven hard years in the valley doing that kind of film. It would make him a better man. I think it would. I think he'd come back refreshed. I think he'd be uh, a better performer. Yep. And I think it would make a a fun whistling sound as he walked past. Except in those damn camera commercials. We had that thing thing in front of the A-team. It was... I hate being assaulted by him. I try to escape him when I can, so I don't really watch TV much. With them, then when I go out and watch the A Team, which I always do, you see that freaking camera commercial. It pisses me off. He's done. He's done well o- for himself on very little talent. Horrible. He's got that five o'clock shadow beard. 
that you have to maintain. That that sounds like jealousy, actually, coming from you. Really? That sounds like jealousy. He does have fabulous hair, though. It's like giving Chris O'Donnell a run for his money. And uh, and although she's been enhanced, I mean, Demi Moore is a catch, I think, even now, to some extent. There's cachet in bagging her. I mean, there's cachet in, in, in settling down with old old raspy voice. Hmm. I don't know. I, I think it's his greatest accomplishment, so you could take that as a oh, dubious honor or not. But I agree with you. I had some guy the other day tell me that that he's one of their favorite actors, and I had to just walk away from him. He said the butterfly effect really proved how brilliant of an actor he was. I had to remind him how shitty a film that is. How old is this person? He's like in his 30s. That's, that's, but, uh, that's unforgivable, really. Oh, yeah. So I had to walk away from him. Butterfly Effect was an endurance test to sit through for me. It's a crappy film. They made a I'm not going to lie to you. Do you know that? Uh, no. Butterfly Effect 2. They go back in wasn't time. That wasn't that an infinite film DVD, Butterfly Effect? Am I wrong in that? I think it was. Possible. I just don't know. I think I think that a lot of people like this like that movie, and that's extremely disturbing because it's really shitty. It is a really oh. shitty movie. Jeez, what? Do we? Did you see that in the theater with me? I must have. I don't know where else I saw it. I know we did a screening of it. I apologize. Nobody should endure that. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I know I wouldn't sit through it and watch it on TV or anything, so I, I had to I had to have seen it with you. I remember hating it. I do remember that. It made a but to have the guy. What? But to have that guy tell me that he whenever he said that whenever Ashton Kutcher's on TV and and he set it up so that he was trying to have me guess who it was. He said he said there's one actor who if, he, if I'm flipping through the channels and I come across something that he's in, I'll stop and watch it. I'm thinking Jesus, who? Like Kirk Douglas. <laughs> Ashton Kutcher. Why would you mention Kirk Douglas of all people? You could have said De Niro or you know. Well, I love Kirk, Kirk Douglas. Douglas, and we were talking about we were talking about Mike Mike Douglas earlier. But the fact that he says that Ashton Kutcher is that kind of actor, the kind of personality that's going to make him stop flipping through the channels, just really, really says a lot about his intelligence level. Hey, okay, we have a caller. Probably someone telling us Holy to stop talking about. Bring this, bring this person into the world. Who are you? Um, Hello? I'm a guy that you probably don't want to talk to because the last movie I saw was one that you're not going to talk about, and it's what I want to talk about. So get ready to hang up. The guests are number one, so go ahead. We're here for you, um, sir. The last, the last movie that I saw um, was a little movie called Knock Off with uh, Mr. Jean-Claude Van Damme. That was the last movie you saw in the theater? Or just in general? No, that I just in general that I that I um, actively sought out and purchased on digital versatile disc and then watched because I remembered that the first time I saw it on VHS in 1996 it was uh, off putting. Jesus, and knock off! What the hell? Is, how much did you pay Michael, for that? Michael Michael Robinson's a fan of that movie. Nah, Sometimes that's contributor. <laughs> how much did you pay for it? Film. I tell people to watch it because because it's like the fevered uh, dream of a coked out bipolar psychopath 
Did Shu art direct that? Too many Jackie Chan yes. movies. Yes. Yes. And Toy Hart directed it. That's got the, uh, that's whatever, however you pronounce this fancy name. Isn't that got the shot where they go into the shoe? It's like a shoe cam. Am I wrong? Yes. The where they like zoom into the shoe. I'm a sucker for films where, where they zoom into somebody's shoes. They should release a box set of films that feature zooming into shoe shots. Box I think that would I, I guess that's why I call them shoe hark, actually, if you think about it. But, um, so no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna disparage you for choosing knockoff as your last purchase or your last viewing. Kudos it gives to you. you a headache. It's like it's a really interesting film. Like if you watch it, the 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 uh, artistic choices that Mr. Hark made are headache-inducing. <laughs> Um, the camera angles and the like speeds and the like there's 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 these instances in the film in which things will just go blurry for no reason like people's faces will just and I, I wonder if like when confronted with this Van Damme because this was of course Van Damme at his most cocastic did he think well I'm gonna um I'm gonna make well I, I imagine his thoughts are in Chinese but um. Uh, maybe not. Maybe that's racist to think um, that he would think in Chinese. But maybe he's thinking, I'm going to make a movie that captures what must be going on in this this, this young man's mind. And and he did, and, and it, it makes you stick to your stomach. Whatever um, is going on in his mind wants out because it's pushing its way out through his forehead. It must be. That, that movie is sort of like being scanned. It's, like being attacked yeah, by think, Michael Ironside in your brain. I think maybe the movie's smarter than all of us in that it wants us about halfway through the film to wonder if it's the movie that's doing all this weird shit or our own brains. What in hell's name like, is Rob Schneider doing in it? Yeah, Rob Schneider kills a guy with a uh, with a spiky fruit in it. Well, I don't know if he killed him, but he certainly beat the shit out of him. Sounds like something I have to see. It sounds great. You know, this, I don't know why you were... Uh, Robert Schneider at his best. Speaking of spiky fruits, Joan Jett. Hey. That's topical. Justin, though. hello. Justin, where are you? <laughs> so I didn't get your name. I, I didn't get your name, caller. What's your name, sir? Uh, my name is Jason Becker. Oh, I know who you are. Yeah. Comic book really? uh, creator. Am I wrong? Yeah, yeah all about douchebag. Yeah, I, that's who I am. Don't you do a comic book? Yeah, I, I do several comic books, um, yeah, so, none of yeah, which have come know. out in the last two years, but all that's uh, about to change. Excellent. The, the official knockoff tie-in finally coming out in stores. That I would be save amazing. Up my money, but yeah, I got to save up my money, but I'm I'm looking to option or get the licensing rights to knockoff to do a knockoff universe comic. I don't know what you've got in your bank account, but it's enough. <laughs> yeah. It'll be an interesting well, comic book. Steve actually made a confession to me the other day. Um, he's a closeted fan of Vertical Limit. That's true. Uh, I, I, I do. I don't know why. It's it's a completely shitty film, but it's the only film that has frozen Scott Glenn toes in it. Yes, that's that I'm true. Well, 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 no, no every Baskin Robbins location made. has that. <laughs> and Chris O'Donnell's <laughs> hair in that film is uh, incredible. The last three films he made, he, he felt like it, it gave something to his performance after Vertical Limit. So every film he's done after that, he, he actually freezes him, but he doesn't tell anyone. Actually, uh, 
Steve, Steve, uh, you, you were a little bit, a little bit attracted to Chris O'Donnell's hairstyle in that film. The hair, yeah, not him. The hair, the hair. The hair. I just can't get over it. Can't get over it. Uh, Actually, are you a fan of his uh, his show with uh, um, the guy who has a hat that's like a shark spin? I don't remember his name. I have no clue what that is. They solve crimes in L.A. Um, they have to do yeah. with tape. Chris O'Donnell has exceeded my expectations for him as an actor. I mean, he's on a hit TV show. I mean, that surprises me because he's Chris O'Donnell. And he's, Who knew? He's like, wow, he's, what I'm have I been doing all these years? I'm not saying he's successful. He's like a success or a role model or anything, but he has outlived expectations because he's still it's working. bad for LL Cool J. That's, that's, there's nothing to do with Chris O'Donnell. It's all the ladies that love Cool James that watch that show. I don't. But the fact that they still pay him though to be there. I mean, even if he's there just to give the girls time to recharge between LL Cool J sightings, it's still a, it's still a valiant task. It's the guy a Chris O'Donnell is still working. LL Cool J. What does he have that Jake Busey and Chris Klein and all those other bland? Products I think he 90s. blew Mark Harmon. That's how he got that show. He he, he blew Mark Harmon. Well, S- Steve blew Mark Harmon, and he's not getting paid. No, I did get paid, though. I no. did. Just unlimited Chris O'Donnell didn't get paid. He gave him a show. That's how good that blowjob was. Goddamn, son. Here's your well, that's how Cold Case show. happened. That's the only reason Cold Case is on the air is because that woman knows somebody and blows somebody because she is ball. I've never watched. She was in, she was I've in the only convention. watched the one clip of Cold Case where it's like the uh, musical episode where they focus on dancing in a supermarket. That's the only. That's my only knowledge of Cold Case. Cold Case is a nightmare, and and that woman, that lead actress, is is a terror. She's uh she's like if if you were to puree pestilence into a human form, she's it. Not a fan. It is. It's may combine the DNA of. Uh, Monica Potter, Par, uh, Monica Potter, yeah. and uh, Gretchen Maul, and oh. made another human being from that. Now, too much, too much Gretchen Maul conversation. Yeah, you weren't on the phone before when we had the gentleman on, but um, maybe I can answer any questions you might have about their work. Was there, if, if, if ah, if, yeah, uh, was it Gretchen Maul was in uh, Rounders, right? Yep. She represented it, the, the the worst thing in the world in that movie. Because we almost saw Matt Damon get whipped. Like he almost he almost made it really. I was I was trapped in in a uh, in, uh, in a um like a freight container with some uh, Russian hookers once, and all we had to watch was uh was rounders, and um, I had to choose between well because all the hookers died, but. I had to choose between masturbating to her or Matt Damon. I chose Matt Damon. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you were in a crate with hookers, though, you don't need They're to masturbate. Dead. So, once again, you don't have to masturbate. I guess I'm going to fuck the dead hookers, yeah. Damn, I wish I'd have thought of that. That was in Netflix yeah. six hours. There are a lot... Yeah, I mean, first of all, you get to keep your wallet together. You don't have to pay them. And secondly, I, I don't think there's that much different in the performance. I mean, I don't think they're going to really... I don't think even on the best days they're going to really give it their college try. They're, they're, just, they're just meant to receive. They don't really have much interaction, in my limited experience. 
said Mark Harmon. Um, oh, is there any... Is like there any dollar hide, I can't become aroused in the presence of a woman dead or alive. Speaking of Francis Dollarhide, um, well, Steve, uh, I went to—I told you I went to that art exhibit today. Yeah. And that the oh. museum. Yeah, That's the high museum. Films, uh, yeah, Van Hunter. Ben, ben Hunter. The original Hannibal Lecter, Brian Cox, was that's the building they used as his uh, his asylum or kept you know his. I know that was and tying in uh, Mr. What's his name was in uh, Knock Around Guys. That's right. See, it's a sheriff. Comes full circle. Now, if we can find a way to work Edgar Wright into this, I think we're golden. Edgar Wright. Well, he watched Manhunter, so done. He's seen Manhunter several times. And Knockaround Guys, I'm sure. Probably, I don't know about Knockaround Guys. I don't know how many people have actually seen that movie. I've seen Knockaround Guys, uh, like, one and a half times. And that's only because my DVD was scratched up. And, um... And I just I couldn't bring myself to get another one. I'm just like, yeah, I really like this movie, but um, I don't want to another. So then you went out and bought Knockoff, and you're to be applauded for that. So you're a Knockoff guy. Maybe when it comes out on Blu-ray, I'll, I'll get Knocker on guys again. I, I remember really liking that movie. I think it's a really little good. movie. It's, it's like you know you can't you can't sell it too hard. You can't say, hey guys, let's have a party centered around Knocker on guys. But as far as like a fun, a fun time and a, and a good like movie to just like you know late late night watch. I mean that's a, that's a good one. And speaking of great late night movies, I, a screener came in today of a movie I didn't even know was being released on DVD. I have a bootleg of it. It's never been on DVD before. See if anyone can guess what it is. A woman gets raped by a worm. A worm. A worm. Also featured oh, wait, oh, wait, one, I know that members, one. one of the cast members of Happy Days. Oh, wow. I know this one. Not yeah, the No, no, no. It was, uh, what's your face? The girl who played uh, with Donnie Tom Feo. You know? Oh, sh- shit. No, no, no. This is an old joke. We used to joke about this decades. We have joked about millennia ago. Wow, I'm we intrigued. Did. I've never... It's, a, it's, it's actually, you know, what's funny. It's like, it's a Roger Corman movie. And uh, it was, uh, James Cameron did the production design on it. Galaxy Man, of Terror. That's funny. Oh, shit. That came out on DVD? Galaxy. Yeah, it just came out. Like they, they just sent me Forbidden World, which is another old Corman cult movie, and then and Galaxy of Terror. Galaxy of Terror, like, I was like, I think I was like eight or whatever, and uh, a couple of my cousins that were older had gone to see it, and they were talking about it, and they didn't want me to know what they were talking about, so they kind of spoke in, in hushed tones and in slang and all that. And all it did for me was it, it just completely engaged my imagination. And, and so Galaxy of Terror became like this taboo product when I was really young. That, of course, once I was old enough to go to the video store, it was like one of the first things I sought out. And it's a piece of shit. It's a horrible movie. But a woman does indeed get the fuck raped out of her in it. And uh, the 80s, if, if nothing else can be said about the 80s, it was the best decade for people, for unwilling sperm recipients from various mutations and aliens. Probably the best decade ever for alien rape. Yeah, my girl girlfriend was telling me about, uh, like, she was having some paranormal activity at her workplace, which I don't know about all that, but I'm like, we should watch The Entity. It's on Netflix. Watch it now. So we watched The Entity. Barbara Hershey's best moments. As the unseen intruder gives her what for. 
So yeah, we had to, after we watched it, we we had to download uh, an MP3 of the rape music so that we could listen to it whilst we fucked. Okay. That pounding. changes the entire timbre of this all. conversation. Steve, did you see the entity as as a youth or as an adult? Both. <laughs> yeah, both. <laughs> Barbara Hershey's finest moment. I think the first time I saw it, I didn't realize what was happening to her. Alex Rocco's finest moment. Isn't that his name? That's the guy from Godfather? Yeah. yeah. Her, her. What? Not, there's a lot going on in that film. You know, you, 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 you despair of it and make fun of it, but there's a lot going on in that film. Hey, I, you, a lot of I'm a fan. The entity is, is uh, that's good shit. I'm not, not going to, I mean, it's no ghost story, but it's, uh, it's worth championing. Yeah, I don't know. It, uh, if, I, if I got a little bit better at CG, uh, I'm not there yet, but if I get a little bit better, I'm going to do a, a phantom edit of that and just pop that pinball machine back into the We need to pen. add the world's premier Bill Maher lookalike's penis into the entity to make it a best movie ever. Type vision. Uh, isn't, that what, isn't that what he does now if he's not dead? Isn't he... Um, he goes Craig to Watson? people's birthday parties. Yeah, he goes to people's birthday parties and tells them that he's Bill Maher. I think he goes to people's birthday parties delivering the cake. Because I can't imagine Mr. Craig Watson is still working his ass off. Although it was nice to see Arliss Howard uh, in the debut of that uh, Rubicon show. Arliss Howard, because I, mean, I always kind of got those two guys confused. Arliss Howard and Craig Watson because they have a similar look, too. And so does uh, Max Perlish, actually, if you think about it. But, but uh, how, the hell did, how the hell did he have a show on HBO for, like, the entire run of HBO up until, like, two years ago? I don't... Who? Um, is that an Arliss joke? Yeah, Arliss. How did that show last so long? I, I guess it was made in the days when just nobody fucking watched HBO. It's not good. It's they not needed good. to fill time in between... Um, showings of uh, Quiet Cool and then reruns of First and Ten. There's nothing wrong with Quiet Cool. No, I love but Quiet Cool. I love watching James Remar kills an old lady at the end of that movie, if I'm not mistaken. James Remar is, is a, a glorious individual. There's, I mean, He's a magician. He's a magician for our eyes and ears. Um, but... But uh, no one can explain the success of Arliss, but what I can explain is Arliss Howard, the actor, it was good to see him on Rubicon. Because he's, and he's creepy. He's creepy in the mo- in the show. He's icy. I, he's obviously lost some hair, so he keeps it trimmed nice and neat. He's got those steel blue eyes that gaze off into the horizon. He's great. Did not survive. I don't think he survived in Full Metal Jacket. I could be wrong. He may not have enjoyed the experience of Vietnam. Well, that's a shame because that was an enjoyable experience if I, if my knowledge of uh, Oliver Stone movies uh, doesn't, you know. Steve, what is your favorite war movie? Uh, it's uh, Aguirre, The Wrath of God. 
That's it. You pronounced his name wrong, didn't you? Isn't it like a guy or a guy or a I remember you bought that movie. You bought that movie blind, and it wasn't cheap. No, you were not. I bought it, not thrilled. <laughs> I bought it at Borders like thirty dollars or forty. That was freaking crazy. I watched it twice though, just to make sure I really didn't like it. Wow, I, I I liked that movie. That was a good movie, I think. Herzog, man, that's a legend. My favorite war movie has always been The Money Pit. It's up there. It's painted by the death of Alexander Gudinov, though. Poor guy took, nah. the, took the serious, took the serious in hand. He is no more. Enhanced. Well, this this poster for uh, your Galaxy of Terror is just leads me to believe that I need to see this movie immediately. Oh, it's a piece of trash, but it's great. Well, I mean, there's I, a bat creature with a dick neck and a skull face that's about to rape a lady. Yeah, he's got plans. She looks like her body. Her body is saying yes, but her face is saying no. Meanwhile, there's a fork-tongued spectator just waiting for his turn in the in that poster that you speak of. Mm. He the, the so bad. And it, Bryce tried to bring back it. the uh, the 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 science fiction rape genre. You know what's funny? Now that I look at them side by side, Forbidden World as a bat-like creature with a proboscis about to enter a woman, too. Another reason why Roger Corman is the best person to ever walk the earth. If he had done Inseminoid, well, there's nothing we could have done to prevent him from just taking over the galaxy. God, I love I it. That same creature appeared on the, uh, the cover of The Last Song with uh, Miss Miley Cyrus. That was on there, right? Or was that Greg Kinnear? It might have been. It might have been. Greg Kinnear... I don't know if you know this about him, but he has been known to sport a rape proboscis from time to time. That's why he didn't work with Damon again after Stuck on You. But then he did on Green Zone, which makes you wonder if there's something going on with those two. Wow. Either way. There's both Ray Walston and Zalman King. Yeah. I'm getting this. Is it, that was a screener, so when does it come out? I need to see this. I, I missed this somehow. I bet you it's about two weeks away. It's about one or two weeks away. Steve, for your for your pleasure, here's the, here's the plot of the film. Which the one? mind's innermost. The mind. This is Galaxy of Terror, but well, I thought we didn't. You're supposed to be the avatar for our audience, which is zero. People, okay, right? I'm sorry. What is this film about? The mind's innermost fears become reality for the crew members of the quest when they land on the barren planet Morganthus, trying to find the missing crew members of the starship Remus, only to discover something deadly waiting for them. Each member of the rescuing team must come face-to-face with their darkest fears or perish. And then it lists the cast, Eddie Albert, Aaron Moran, Ray Walston, Robert England, Zalman King, and Sid Haig. Remember oh. Sid Haig? He, remember he was the guy with the knives? We were making fun of him when we watched it. I do. Now, let me go ahead and tell you that it comes out on July 20th. I mean, a two-disc set. You believe that? See, that, that's how much of a Hollywood insider I am. I get Galaxy of Terror almost a full month early. That's right. Over a full month early. That's amazing. The premise of, uh, of uh, Forbidden World, which I have not seen, sounds <laughs> awfully familiar. 
on the planet Zarbia, an experimental life form known as, sub- <laughs> known as Subject 20 has been created by an elite group of scientists in hopes of preventing a major galactic food crisis. However, instead of prolonging life, Subject 20 is destroying it. And the man-eating organism poses a double threat because it constantly changes its genetic structure. Bounty hunter Mike Colby is called in to investigate, but soon suspects that the scientists are keeping something from him, and he discovers why Subject 20 is half-human. Can you imagine if you were an intergalactic bounty hunter and your name is Mike? That's a very futuristic name. That's Mike Colby. Wow. He's an intergalactic tactic bounty hunter or the uh, yeah, manager he, at your local He flies in on his jet pack, goes to your filing cabinet, finds out if there's anything that's been misfiled, and then flies off. That's what Mike Colby does. He doesn't fucking kill aliens. He comes and rearranges your office equipment. That's all he does. Michael Colby. Yes. Hmm. If you're a bounty hunter flying around different planets to solve shit, your name needs to be like Renegade Robinson or something. You can't be Mike Colby. That's the first problem with that movie. The second problem is Subject 20. That sounds like something on Nickelodeon. You're not gonna. I'm not afraid of something that's kicking ass in the galaxy named Subject 20. There's a reason why Slithis is a celebrity. I think if I was Mike Colby, I would change my name to Jet Cockchest. I mean, Mike Colby's a cheese, a cheese aficionado. Yeah. He loves delicious cheeses. Only, the only way this could be even more pussified is if Mike Colby is a bounty hunter with Parkinson's who, who lands on your planet and trembles around and then flies off. I think that you've just, uh, I think you've just uh, brainstormed your next, uh, your next uh, film project there, buddy. That sounds like something that we all need to see. You didn't mention That's his cool. robot assistant. His robot assistant, what's his robot assistant's name? Sam104. <laughs> Why didn't you mention that? The first 103 Sams had <laughs> issues out the ass. Yeah, but Sam104 is a hell of a cook. The only thing that, that could make this to be better is if it features some sort of science fiction rape type situation. Um, that just contrast all the really weird and like sort of PG names that everybody has. Well, I think I think we know the answer. I think Subject Twenty needs to rape Mike Colby, because then because then he's going to leave the planet, get a name change, and, and earn his salt because he's a useless bounty hunter. And Jim Wynorski wrote it. Yeah, Jim Wynorski, also known for a, a variety of cutting-edge, high-quality science fiction movies. Such as 976 Evil 2, that one. Yeah. He also, I think he did that breeder, not breeder, maybe breeders, or he did one where there was people getting raped away. He's, he's great, though. Not he a also, big fan of 976 Evil Part 2. It didn't uh, do it for me. I like Part 1. I think 976 Evil 1 was dog shit, too, unfortunately. No, it featured, you know, it featured Stephen Jeffries. So it, it, I know, and it may, that may have been what sent him off the deep end, into the deep end. I think what sent him off the deep end is just the the uh, appeal of a man's asshole. That that threatens to send us all off the deep deep end. Why why do you think I, you know gays I, are so so uh, you know happy? <laughs> no. They're persecuted. I don't think we're all, we're all secret. Hey. We all secretly know that 
you know, if a man holds our hand, we'll have to fuck him in the ass. Everybody I knows that. that. I, I don't agree. I think uh, I think that intimidates people case. and makes them scared for themselves. I break it. I think Stephen Jeffries is a straight man who who uh, had to make some difficult decisions because his career wasn't panning out the way he wanted it to. I think that's what happened to, to good old Stephen Jeffries. That's I think a shame, he decided but... to work at the post office. <laughs> uh, well, the post office was two blocks farther than the gay porn store. So, you know. But, I don't know. I, I think that's, we that's all... That's bad. The gay, the gay porn industry, they have to shoot... They shoot the movies and then sell them in the same store in which they're shot. They are marginalized. No, I think that's. I mean, I think we all know that to make the connections in that business, you got to frequent the shops. At least that's what I've been doing. It hasn't paid off yet. That's how I got Grizzly Park done, though. That one over four. I don't. We'll never see the triple X parodies in gay porn because they. Okay, don't I just thought of the perfect the perfect thing to do with uh, Forbidden World. It's a quick edit. Just put the Amblin logo in front of it and leave it at somebody's doorstep. That's excellent. Amblin logo. Speaking of Steven Spielberg's adventures in outer space, that guy (laughs) needs to drop whatever he's doing, that boring project he's working on now, and do a fucking crazy B science fiction movie. That's what needs to happen. happen. I wish he would, but oh. I don't think he'll do it. And if he does, it'll be like the Crystal Skull debacle. Uh, I don't fake. think he had much. I don't. I, I don't pin the blame of Crystal Skull on, on Spielberg. I think it was. I think he was helping out some friends with that one. I, I don't have any friends good enough to, to create something like that. Um, I, I agree. I agree. Unless I, I do it ironically. But I, I mean, I. Spielberg's number three in line of people to blame for that movie, I think. Wow. So, Num- number one would be Jim Winorski. Indiana Jones and the Forbidden Planet. Why are you blaming Jim Winorski for the Indiana Jones movie? <laughs> he well, was the, they hired him to write the fifth one. He was one of the ghost writers. <laughs> Telling you, he did. Johnny, Johnny Blaze worked on that film? Nope. Dan Ketch, not Johnny Blaze. His brother Dan Kitch. I don't, I, I don't know. I'm baffled. Devin, uh, Devin put up his review of Jonah Hex just now, and he gave it two out of ten. So maybe it's not as bad as I thought. <laughs> Roger Ebert gave it a favorable review, but that might be because of his, you know, the various medications he on. He's on. You can't really I, depend on him. Well, he, he likes looking at Megan Fox's tits. He does indeed. He does indeed. But what? I appreciate yeah, that about him. I appreciate that there are certain actresses that if they're in a film and he, he it, it contributed to his spank bank, he's going to give it a good review. I, I appreciate that. Okay, I'm, I, I, apparently Devin doesn't agree with the premise that uh, Josh Brolin's good in it. Because he's miserable in it. He probably was miserable every day that he was there. It was funny, I, this, is, uh, not, this is not really name-dropping at all, but... I was on, I was on the Warner's lot about two and a half years ago, and I saw Josh Brolin in the commissary having a meeting with a Warner Brothers executive, like they were in the cafe area, and he was sitting in the corner talking with them. And now I, I put two and two together. That guy was wooing him for Jonah Hex. Jonah Hex happened that day. You could have stopped it with man, Jonah. 
I know. If I could, Monday morning, we'll be raped and murdered by Josh Brolin. But telling you that you, but that's a, that story actually has a happy ending because I also got to see, um, uh, what's his name, the dude from ILM, Dennis Murin was there too. Not at that meeting, but I saw him out there too, and, and that was inspirational. So you could have stopped that whole uh, Jonah Hex debacle with a well-placed sandwich. Probably. And I think that's a movie that deserves Thomas Jane to be in it to justify its horrible nature. It's not good for Josh Brolin. I think we have a movie plot. Can you imagine if a well-placed sandwich, you go back to Hitler, he's about to do something shitty, you give him a fucking well-placed sandwich, and he's like, fuck killing. Hey, that's the Butterfly Effect 3. Lunch is on its way. <laughs> That's a good tagline. Sending sandwiches through time since 1940. <laughs> that would be so good. Here, if you don't uh, eat, you don't eat the pig. Here's a here's a freaking cheese, grilled cheese sandwich for you. Don't you invade if, Austria. I think I think the Passion would have been a better movie if Pontius about to kick some ass and a, and a nice fucking nice hoagie appears. Like a bowl of you know, warm I'm, soup. I'm not going to kick any Jesus ass today. I'm going to make I'm going to make myself a nice lunch. He, he's like he drops the whip and puts a napkin around his neck and then you fade to black. Credits. Mel Gibson's a hero. You know, but no. Instead he hates all the Jews. I'm just going to say this though. As powerful as a ham sandwich or any sandwich is, a bowl of warm soup only, only slows down the inevitable. So if you want to block something historical, you have to use a sandwich. That's the I truth. think you might have tapped into why these events occurred in the first place. I think somebody went back in time and gave these people soup. a sandwich made with the uh, peanut butter and jelly mix. Um, no, you know what I think it is? I think what it is, they took the sandwich away. There was a sandwich. They they were getting ready to feast, and somebody whipped that sandwich back into outer space. I was I was in the uh, the grocery store the other day, and someone was buying uh, a jar of that that striped there is nut butter and jelly concoction. That made me want to vomit on their face. I love that stuff. I love that stuff because you don't have to worry about because you don't have to worry about the whole issue of scooping which. What do you scoop first? Something's going to get dirty. You're going to have to wash the knife. This saves that whole knife-washing incident from happening. That's shows bullshit. Up on your food. Scoop the jelly first, but it comes, it comes off the spoon very easily. You scoop the jelly, and you spread it. Then you do the peanut butter. You can't do the peanut butter first because peanut butter doesn't come off the spoon easily. Jelly yeah, comes jelly, right off the spoon. A little jelly refuse in a peanut butter in a peanut butter container can do the damage of 12 holocausts. And... But somehow mixing them together is a good idea if just a little bit of residue in the peanut butter jar causes something horrible to happen. That's ridiculous. I love it. I love that stuff. One less jar to clog up your uh, pantry. Delightful. Yeah, you love the A-team, so I'm not going to – that's not going to sway me, your love of the A-team and your love of peanut butter jelly mix. In a jar. Oh, I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say. Lo- hold on now. You can't say love. I wouldn't say love. It was just. It was enjoyable. It was a fun movie. Yes. The thing is, it was. It was the kind of of remake pop pop culture movie this year in particular that works. I didn't feel. I like think it's only good in comparison. I saw it based on 
uh, the the Nunziata Farachi recommendation, and I, and I was like, what the fuck am I watching? This final plan isn't nearly as clever as everyone is thinking. I, I just thought the rest credits. of the AP I didn't, was face. I didn't realize there was a post-credits thing that Steve clued yeah, me in on. There was. You go and tell everybody there. what's there. What would have been awesome is if at the end of the film, when the uh, events took place, if when the spoiler alert containers were falling, the entire A-team was killed, and then the movie just ended. And then the sequel... You know what you need? Like, Let me tell you what you need. You need a well-placed ham sandwich. That's what you need. This the final and shot that, is... People that, actually, that actually uh, means we're in the home stretch of the show. Jason, thanks for helping us carry, uh, carry the show for a couple of minutes there. Very no much problem. It. I love that you guys. I love your show. I'm your biggest listening fan. Take care, my Chad Joe. Thank you, Steve. Yes, we have. We're we're in the last moments, and I, and in lieu of putting on a Breck Eisner clip, do you have anything else to tell the listeners? The listeners, go ahead. No, I've got nothing. So. You I'll probably edit this show down to one minute. But thank you, David Cop David David I said David Cobb. Thank you, Brian Copson and David Levine for, for spending your time with us. Thank you folks for listening. Uh and uh get your questions ready for Edgar Wright because he is a coming. Thanks everybody. It's out. Yes.